a woman fights for her life inside a poisoned forest. As the cravers feed on her flesh, she fights. As the doors feel more and more like gravestone, she fights. As the darkness that was once her sanctuary hides now her silent predator, she fights, knowing she will lose. It would always end this way, she realizes, in soundless bloodshed, in sightless carnage. One thought keeps her standing, keeps her moving through the pain, though she feels it now more than ever. Isolde of the Ebon Mist does not fight alone. From Elderblade Productions, this is Echoes of Exesor, Episode 8, Grinvaldi. said Doran. The gargantuan man upended a keg of ale, filling tankards for the six of us. We sat around a dilapidated table near the boarded-up entrance to the mining shaft. Denarthi's muffled screams had abated. He'd fallen asleep. Somehow, the silence that followed, vast and hollow, punctured by the occasional water droplet or crumbling stalactite, was far worse. At least screams made a threat known. Doran sat last, ale sloshing into his thick beard as he guzzled it down. Fion sat next to him, a slender human woman with tanned skin and frizzy blonde hair in a bun. She sported horn-rimmed glasses and a beauty mark underneath the left side of her mouth. An ethereal hum followed her, as she twirled her wand around in her fingers, eyeing me sternly. She brought her tankard to her lips, taking care not to spill anything down her silk button-down shirt and forest green cravat. You always had a talent for understatement, Doran, Tosca sniped. She sat opposite him, tracing the ridges of her entwined horns with a clawed finger. Just saying. Row day, I found that weird mole on my arm. Alm day, they ran out of woolen spice rum at the Thunder Ferret. Ka day, we commit treason in Mira. Jun day, get possessed by an evil spirit. Vi day and Sha day were trapped inside our own minds. And then today, he lifted up his bare forearm. Mole's gone. Satisfied he'd made his point, Doran knocked back another swig of ale. The other members of the four stared at him in disbelief. Quinn, wound up tight as a coil after our rooftop chase with Tosca, downed her tankard of ale in five succinct gulps. Okay, she gasped, slamming the tankard down decisively. I would highly recommend we come up with a plan before we all become mindless slaves and the world ends. Von der, 
said Storm Dreamer, stretching his midnight black wings. You say it is your mistress who set us free from Ellipsis. I believe so, for now, I said. But it may not last. They're still fighting in the shade. I have no idea whether Wizold will win, or how long she'll be able to hold out. I had no idea this fright was so powerful, Tuska breathed. I tried to parlay with Darnarthi. I wasn't stupid enough to think I could exercise it from him, but I thought if I could learn something from it. Turns out I just opened the door for it to take over us all. Maybe if you'd all listened to Von Dare back at Songwake Manor, none of us would be in this mess, Quinn muttered. She stared at Tosca with contempt in her bloodshot eyes. Whether it was the ale or the situation affecting her, I did not know. But it was rare to see her get so hostile. Tosca sat up straight, regarding Quinn's anger with cool acceptance. Hindsight is always clearer, Tosca admitted. There were issues of trust that could not be... Trust? I interrupted. Gods, Tosca! I was there for your village during the Everwake Crisis. I turned a blind eye to your dealings with the Frights, despite Isolde's commands to kill you. If you can't trust me by now... Not you, Bilebrain, Tosca drawled. Queen Songwake. The name stopped me in my tracks. A slow, sour truth seeped into my mind, even as my words fought against it. She... You stole the scrolls from her. Broke into her home. She's just trying to stop a war from... She is just as much a warmonger as Emperor Tashalin, Stormdreamer chimed in. After the attack on Mira by Maelstrom, who do you suppose took those Alzerian weapons? The thought never occurred to me. Maelstrom's defeat at the hands of the Four had become something of a fairy tale across Exeser. It was easy to get swept up by the narrative and lose sight of the details. But had Isolde suspected this, I wondered? Had she simply not known or cared? Perhaps Lady Songwake's ritual at the Mist Door compelled Isolde to help regardless. But Lady Songwake wants Black Sun as much as anyone loves, Fionn said. And, having a bit of experience with Alzerian weapons myself, I can tell you it takes loads of self-control to not abuse it. Oh yeah? challenged Quinn. And how do we know you're in control of whatever that thing is? Fionn flicked her wand at Quinn's tankard. Obediently, it leapt into the air and floated over to the keg of ale. Another flick, and the ale began to pour from the open mouth of the keg into the tankard. The look on Quinn's face as the full tankard floated back to her gently gave Fionn immense pleasure. Trust me, love. I've been at this a while. Regardless, you could have used our help, I said. Tosca, you had to have known they wouldn't have called me in if it wasn't important. Why not let me in on the plan? Didn't trust you, Doran said. No offense, but you're kind of creepy. All your talk of mists and shadows... Everything Defloor does, we do as a team, Stormdreamer added. Tosca knew you, but the rest of us did not. As you said, this was an important matter. You are not the only one trying to do the right thing. There was a lull, while I absorbed what the four were saying. I took in a deep breath. Well, 
we're here now. What's our play? Fionn got up and crossed to a rucksack near the wall of the shaft. She retrieved three scrolls, the ones she'd taken from Mira. One she unfurled and rolled under the table. The blueprint of the Alzarian ruin. The waning sunlight outside produced a sharp glare on its glass-like sheen. I studied Alzarian language and culture at uni, she said. Placing a finger on the Alzarian script at the top, she added, Ink's a bit muddled, but from what I can tell, this isn't just one structure. It's a whole bloody city, crafted from the very stone of the mountains themselves. But that would have taken centuries, Quinn breathed, poring over the blueprint as she sipped more ale. Not if you have the right frights under your control. I said. What enough slaves, Fionn pointed out. From what research we have, it seems the Alzarians enslaved the sub-races of Exesor well up until the Sundering. She continued, tracing her finger along the blueprint. As she did, the blueprint moved with her finger, shifting to reveal more buildings, streets, corridors. If my estimates are correct, there should be an access point to the city somewhere in these mines. Perfect, said Doran, clapping his hands together. Go in, get the job done, get out before anyone's the wiser. Not so fast, Tosca said. Ellipsis possessed us, remember? That means it had access to these blueprints too. That may be why it wanted to control the mist so badly, I said, meeting Quinn's eyes. If it had gained control of the mist gates, it could have gotten here by now. Don't relax just yet, Quinn said. With the flying tech they got in New Alzar, they should be catching up to us soon. I believe the pit over there leads to an old aqueduct, connecting to some sort of temple, Fionn said. We don't exactly have the gear to go spelunking, but my wand may be able to help a bit. And if Stormdreamer can carry some of us down... But what do we do once we're there? Quinn asked. Her face was red as an apple, and her speech was beginning to slur. What are we looking for, Ellipsis? Parts of it, yes, I said. If my hunch is right, the Alzarians split Ellipsis into pieces to power multiple versions of Black Sun. We'll need to look for some kind of laboratory or weapons facility. And if we do, how do we destroy it? Stormdreamer pressed. Ellipsis nearly bested all of us with a fraction of its strength. If the Black Sun can do all as you say, Vondere. We'll fry that rabbit when we catch it, Doran said. What are we waiting for? Let's get down there. I agree, I said, rising from my seat. Every second counts. We can't afford to- I'm afraid not. I whirled around, aiming the demon's teeth glove at everything around me. It took a few moments of everyone staring for me to realize I'd heard the voice inside my head. It was Denarthi. No. It was Ellipsis speaking as Denarthi, plucking at the chords of his voice like sitar strings. I recognized the words instantly. They were from our parlay at Songwake Manor. I'm afraid not. Words, symbols, sounds. Flowers for the bride. Everything falls. 
A war drum replaced my heart as the words filled my head. They rang in my ears, like a blare from a hunting horn. Reflexively, I clutched my ears, knowing full well the sound was not coming from outside. Soon I noticed Quinn and the four doing the same thing. Ellipsis was speaking to us all. Vondare, what's happening? Quinn asked. The pit, I breathed. Everyone got up behind me as I bolted down the shaft towards the pit. My head throbbed as Denarthi's words blared inside, like a caged dog slamming at the bars to get out. Black sun! The arrows live, they seek the bowmen. I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. Afraid not. I rounded the final bend, coming upon the gaping pit over which Denarthi hung on his rope. Or rather, he did. All I saw now was the gently twirling rope. Its end appeared to have been hacked. A messy job, clearly done with a blunt edge. There was no sight nor sound of Denarthi. Only a hungry void. Denarthi's voice left my mind as soon as I saw he was gone. It seemed the same was true for the others. Free from their mental torment, they looked on instead with confusion and fear. Din's blood, Stormdreamer cursed. What happened? He's dead, Fionn muttered. Has to be. Takes care of one problem at least, Doran quipped. There was an innocent life trapped inside that problem. I snapped, peering over the edge into the darkness of the pit. And at any rate, I don't think it's that simple. Ellipsis helped him get free. If it could heal my back after two dozen stab wounds, surely it could keep Denarthi alive after a fall like that. Scorch it, Tosca groaned. We brought the damned thing right where it wanted to be. It's going to reunite with its other pieces. Then we need to move, I said. Fionn? Stormdreamer? The Kikte nodded scooping up Tosca and spreading his wings. They assaulted the air like great splotches of ink spilled from a well. Looping a circle above our heads, he plunged down into the pit, Tosca in hand. Meanwhile, Fionn channeled her wand's power, and from the shaft's entryway I heard the wobbling of wooden planks. Pieces of the barricade flooded towards the pit, forming a floating platform large enough for two. I'll need to stay here to maintain my focus while everyone else goes down, Fionn said. Her expression remained confident, if a bit strained. I got the impression she didn't normally hold the wand's effects in place for extended periods of time. We'll go, I said, tentatively stepping onto the magicked platform. The planks shivered in protest, like a frightened school of fish under my feet. Still, they held and continued to do so when Quinn joined me. Fionn was about to send us down when Doran put a hand on her shoulder. Reaching behind him, Doran removed a small crossbow and quiver of bolts, handing it to Quinn. Then, he unsheathed the longsword from his belt and handed it to me. Better than nothing, he shrugged. Much better, I agreed. Thank you. Fionn flicked her wand, and down we went. Sight abandoned us. Fionn and Doran's frames got smaller and smaller, 
until they were swallowed up by the distance. The air grew cold and sharp, freezing our breath. The deeper we went, the louder the rattling of the planks became. I just now realized we didn't test this thing first, Quinn chattered. What if Fionn can't hold it? Then our troubles will be over quite soon, I said wryly. Quinn wheezed a laugh. Then her smile iced over, and she said, Von Der, we all heard that voice. Do you think Ellipsis is getting stronger? Is his old losing? I pulled my arms in tight, rubbing my torso for warmth. I pondered the question. It was certainly possible, though I couldn't bear the thought. At any moment, our little resistance effort could be snuffed out. Our bodies were puppets for ellipsis, and his old was the only thing keeping them just barely out of his reach. Let's have faith, Quinn, I chose to say. Doubting his old will only hurt our focus. Quinn fell silent. So did I despite my desire to keep talking and distract myself from the increasing instability of our floating platform. Mercifully, we soon felt a hard jolt as the planks collided with the rocky ground of the pit's bottom. Stepping off, we immediately heard a whoosh as the planks were summoned back to the mouth of the pit. It was pitch dark. Faint wind and the crumbling of stone echoed from somewhere. Curiously, I did not hear or see any sign of the comrades who came before us. Tosca? Storm Dreamer? I called out quietly. No answer. Keeping Doran's longsword at the ready, I held up the demon's teeth glove and released an electrical charge. The sparks from the palm made for a paltry light, but it was enough to see our surroundings. Indeed, we appeared to be in an ancient aqueduct. We stood within a long, dry channel, flanked by tall stone walkways on either side. Disturbingly, no signs of anyone else could be seen. Did... did they go on ahead? Quinn asked. Maybe they saw Dunarthy, I offered. Let's just wait here for the others. They can't have gotten far... It was so dark, I nearly didn't realize I was falling when the ground shook. I slid onto my stomach, and Doran's longsword flew from my hands into the shadows. I heard a thump from behind. Quinn fell over too. Stone and debris rained down from us from the aqueduct ceiling. I flailed about for Quinn, until an ear-splitting mechanical wail pierced the silence like a javelin. I covered my ears and rolled onto my stomach just in time to see a falling boulder rushing to meet my face. Von Der. Von Der, can you hear me? The voice pulled me back from oblivion. I opened my eyes, wincing at the flares of pain in my forehead. A figure stood in front of me. I could not make out who it was. Five or six copies of them swirled around in my vision for a time. Eventually, they coalesced into one. I gasped and sat up straight. 
standing in front of me in that dark, lonely aqueduct was this old. She was in one of her female forms, the middle-aged woman with the owlish yellow eyes. She was curiously easy to see, despite everything else being completely dark. She looked exhausted, weakened, but taking great pains to hide it. I looked around for the others. The miraculous four were nowhere to be found. Neither was Quinn. It is old, I stammered. How, how are you here? I am not Vander. I am projecting my image into your mind. Isolde extended a hand, stepped towards me, and then stumbled, crying out as she fell to her knees. I crawled over to her. Isolde! The mistress of the ebon mist heaved. Blood trickled out of her nostrils in the corners of her mouth. I didn't even know a fright could bleed. Listen. Listen to me, Von Der. Seek. Seek the pierced man. The pierced... It is the symbol of Grinvald, the god of war. This was his holy city before the Alzarians bastardized it into a weapons factory. <coughs> Isolde crumbled to the floor. I moved to touch her shoulder, but my hand phased through her. She's still in the mist, I thought, still fighting even now. Isolde... My mind went slack as I hesitated. I feared I already knew the answer to the question I wanted to ask. Why are you telling me this? <sighs> she groaned, pushing herself up to sitting. She looked me in the eyes. Once bright as the full moon, the yellow of her eyes now looked dim to the point of being almost colorless. It is... Much for me, Von Der. I cannot hold it back much longer. I have no love for the god of war, but it was his acolytes who helped to create Black Sun. Perhaps, perhaps something there will help you understand how to defeat it. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I wanted to smash my head against another rock to see if it would wake me up. How could this woman, whom I once thought of as the most powerful being in Exesur, be brought low so easily? Just... just hold on, I told her. I'll stop it, Isolde. I just need a little more... Though she could not touch me, her spectral hand rested on my arm. When her eyes met mine again, I saw a grim resolve the kind that comes when one has accepted their fate. I could swear I saw the beginnings of tears forming. Do what you must, Vondere. The words had no sooner left her lips than her image faded. I was suddenly alone and in the lion's den. Despair seized my lungs and I began to heave, pressing my back against the stone wall. 
we've lost. That was all I could think. All the powers of the Ebon Mist were just cheap tricks compared to what Ellipsis could do. We'd been surviving on borrowed time. At any moment, this thing would come for us like the Reaper, and we would either be dead or one of its slaves. Myself, Quinn, the Miraculous Four, Leona. My hand brushed against something cold on the ground. I felt about and closed my fingers around the hilt of Doran's longsword. I held it up. It was perfectly balanced. A masterwork blade fitting a hero of Mira. Sturdy but not burdensome, it moved like an extension of my own arm. The sword grounded me, calming my heavy breathing. I could still hold a sword, I thought. I could still move my legs. And thanks to Isolde, I now had a lead to follow in this labyrinth. She might have been on the ropes, but she was still fighting. What kind of agent of hers would I be if I didn't follow her example? Trying to ignore the swelling pain in my head, I forced my legs to push myself up. Bracing my back against the stone wall for support, I came to standing, wobbling until I regained my sense of balance. Flexing my gloved hand, I again ignited the cloud of sparks to light my way. Sword in hand, I stumbled down the aqueduct, into the dark. It was a long trek through nothingness. I jumped at every falling rock, every errant echo. Quinn and the four were never far from my lips, as I silently begged one of them would answer my calls. My legs threatened to turn to dust from all the walking. Finally, a pinprick of bluish-gray light in the distance became my salvation. It grew larger as I drew closer, and eventually I could see shapes within the light. Buildings, streets, structures. The holy city of Grinvaldian opened itself up to me. Housed within a shell of mountain stone, was a citadel of metallic ziggurats. Sterile blue light emanated from the deep lines carved into the walls of each building. Everything was buried under sheets of rock and dust. The streets were pockmarked with craters and potholes. Swooping from building to building were metal tracks on rails. They arced into the air, and I saw various carts stopped in their tracks. The place was littered with half-finished devices, relics from the Alzarian Age. There were no people, nor indeed any sign that anyone actually lived or worked in this place. In the distance was a massive temple, taller than any of the other buildings. A grand staircase with what seemed like thousands of steps led up to its entrance. A statue of a humanoid figure stood regally at the top, its body covered head to toe in arrows. The pierced man. The arrows live, I whispered, recalling Denarthi's words. They seek the bowmen. I halted, my whispers evaporating at the sight. Among the constellation of blue lights, there was one that began to move. 
A slow, steady rolling sound came from one of the alleyways a few hundred yards ahead of me. Around the corner spun a circular clockwork device, no taller than my leg. It looked like a metal ring, and sported a blue light that left faint trails as it rolled. Upon entering the street, it ceased moving. Its eye, for lack of a better term, remained fixed at the apex of the circle. It seemed it was looking straight at me. I stared back, sword hand tensing. The construct's blue light shined like a watchtower's beacon down the shadowed street. Something rattled at my feet. I looked down at the scores of tiny relics littering the street. One by one, they began to move of their own accord. Blue light sparked within them. An unseen force pulled them down the stone street, their metal casings clanging and clattering. I watched the circular construct float into the air until it was at eye level with me. As if by command, the pieces arranged themselves around the construct, snapping and twisting and clicking together. All of it fit together perfectly. When it was done, a humanoid construct twice my size stood before me, covered in dozens of haunting blue lights. It looked disproportionate, with a hulking torso supported by thin beams for legs. Its head was a circular brass ball with a single black hole for an eye, bearing no small resemblance to toast. The circular piece now laid in the center of the construct, a gaping empty space in the otherwise fortress-like design. Fully complete, it stood before me now, stoic and imposing. It's the construct asked suddenly. Its voice was strained and abrasive, like it hadn't been used in centuries. I frowned at its words. I wasn't an expert, but they didn't sound Alzarian. I held my ground. I am Claude Von Der. I am a human from the surface. I seek the pierced man. I seek Black Sun. Etsli? The construct's ball head tilted slightly. Spligrenatvat. Claude Rala Odoba Parenis. Look, I said. I've had a very bad couple of days. And if anything that's happened till now has been a clue, I think I know what you're about to do. So let me just lay out what's going to happen. I'm going to go to that big temple over there. I'm going to find the weapons of mass destruction hidden in this place. I'm going to destroy them all. And if anything tries to get in my way, I'm going to tear it apart piece by God's damned piece. A whirring sound rumbled from somewhere within the construct. Its arms extended, and a pair of arm-length blades shot out from its hands. From elsewhere down the street, I began to see more circular constructs emerge. They, too, called various pieces to their side, building themselves up into the same humanoid model. When it was done, about two dozen constructs all turned to me, each one calling similar weapons to their hands. It's Grand Cray. 
Cre Paranis Nictis. The first construct stomped towards me, blades bared. The others joined suit, and the ancient streets shook underneath the thunder of the construct's charge. I powered up the demon's teeth glove, holding it up with my long sword, teeth bared. All right then. Peace by God's damned peace. Echoes of Exeser is written, produced, and performed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand. For questions or comments, email us at echoesofexeser at gmail.com.